Flashback 64 is the podcast where Gooey, McKenna, and friends flashback to the 90s and early 2000s with a look at the Nintendo 64's catalog. Starting with the console's launch titles and proceeding in release order, they discuss each game and the contemporary cultural and historical context. We discuss games such as Super Mario 64, GoldenEye, Ocarina of Time, and many more iconic titles, along with the lesser-known games. Follow us on Twitter at Flashback64Pod and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Dakota Lasky, Duminal Crossing. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'll throw out the Doom first because it is most recently this guy's birthday. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to wish a big birthday to yeah. Doom. Did I hear uh, that official? You, you had claimed that you hadn't thrown up in 10 years. Did I read that right? About 10 that. years. About 10 years, Pro- probably less than 10 years, but like roughly 10 years since the last time I threw up. I don't, I don't know if I can talk about that on the podcast. I don't know if that's. Well, let's not, let's not, not, but, uh, let's not go any further. <laughs> let's not go into detail, but that's, uh, that's quite the record that no longer I'm exists. I'm happy for I think. you, man. Yeah. So happy birthday. <laughs> what yeah, what, uh, what uh, kind of birthday are we talking here? Like a big one or, uh, uh, kind of like more low key, but like with a really special group of friends. Uh, some friends that I actually met at the exact same convention that I was attending this weekend. So Ooh. I got together with with all of them again. Nice. Uh, you know, we drank a little bit. You know, we uh, you know, we met some really cool people. I got to meet Xander Mobus, the announcer of uh, Smash Brothers, uh, the the re- the most recent one in Smash Wii U as well. And so uh, he autographed my strategy guide. He's a pretty chill dude. Um, yeah, go follow. He's on uh, Twitter as well, so go follow him. Check out what he's got to say. Cool, cool. Well, uh, yeah, happy birthday! And uh, I'm gonna get a, a quick plug in and thank you at the same time. Uh, Doom was good enough to take a bunch of really cool screenshots for me for our new Metroid Zero Mission guide, which is available right now on OmegaMetroid.com. Uh, Dak, what's going on? How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Enjoying the as we record this, the rest of my three day weekend here. Um, was enjoying the rest of my summer, had a pool party with some friends, enjoying the you know latest and greatest big releases. I mean, the last week or so of, of gaming, as at least on my end of, of gaming, there's been a lot of big releases like Armored Core 6 came out, been enjoying that. Uh, New Raid in Destiny 2 came out, finally beat that. Uh, I did a six hour run from like midnight to or like 10 p.m. to like 4 a.m. last night, which was a little egregious, but got it done. And then been trying to play Starfield, but it hasn't been running uh, well for me. But I'm looking forward mm. to to getting it running well and and um, and playing it. So looking forward to that. But yeah, been gaming, hanging out, enjoying the rest of my summer, and also reading the the second half of this Metroid manga, which I read earlier today, and I am excited to talk about it because I, I think we have a lot of differing opinions here as we go into the latter half of this epic Metroid adventure. Mm-hmm. 
I I agree. I'm I'm really excited to talk about it, and I and I have to say to uh, to everybody that if you missed our episode last week, we covered part one of the Metroid manga. I thought it was one of our best episodes ever. Actually, I I was really. Like I thought it was a really great episode. I, I thought everybody was kind of firing on all cylinders, and I uh, obviously, if you're gonna listen to part two, go listen to part one first. But uh, yeah, it's I, I thought it was a great episode, and I, I am excited to uh, to revisit part two. I will say one thing is that uh, as, as you guys can see, I'm sitting here recording in a toque and a hoodie. And I feel like summer is like officially over in Canada. So it was like, it was plus 30 degrees, which I I can't remember what that equates to for, to you guys, but it was plus 30 on Saturday. And now it's like overcast and rainy and smoky and miserable outside. So I feel like I feel every bit of September this, uh, this long weekend, but, uh, which actually kind of matched my mood because I was, and not that I don't like September, but it's, it's something, there's something sullen about summer ending. And um, when I read Metroid Manga Part 2, I I almost felt that same kind of sullenness because I, uh, to backtrack a little bit, I went into the manga last week and I wasn't really sure what to expect. I, I'm not like a big fan of manga in general. I'm not like, uh, but I love, I love like, you know, American style comics. So I was like, I, maybe I will like this. Um, I have the Zelda manga. I'm not a huge fan of it. But, but I thought that Metroid might lend itself better to the medium. So I, I wasn't sure what to think. And I was really, really impressed with Volume 1. And I came out of that just being like, wow, this is like a really good story that I wish was like actually like kind of part of a Metroid game. And um, there was something about about Part 2 that didn't quite, it didn't quite click for me, uh, unfortunately. Which, which is weird because I feel like it was like... I mean, it, it picks off directly where the first one, uh, you know, ends, but it, it felt like everything, uh, the, like the tone, like everything, the pacing was different and, and unfortunately not necessarily for the better. Doom, what, what did you, just a really quick, we'll do some quick thoughts and then we'll go through the chapters and all that kind of stuff. But like, what, what were your thoughts? Well, I feel like I have to talk about kind of summarize my thoughts with the first one again, you know, for those, you know, because it's been a week since we last talked about it. But basically, when we were going into episode one last week, I was like getting ready to like poo poo all over this thing. It wasn't a fan. But hearing you guys talk talking about it really opened up my mind. And I think by the end of that episode, as you can see, kind of my, you know, my my thought process evaluate. I kind of came out of that episode with a different opinion on it going in. And while I definitely still think that. You know, it's got a lot of weirdness, whether it be from the translations or just some of the cultural differences, you know, between Western and Japanese culture. I think, you know, when you're willing to put that to a side and you're just able to look at it, you know, from a skeletal point of view, I think it's I think it works really well. Mm. And so I kind of approached um, volume two with that same kind of mindset, you know, just looking at the skeleton, trying not to take every single page literally. And for the most part, I think I came out with with the same with the same similar Im- interpretation. However, there is one, maybe two pages of material that I genuinely think is some of the most egregious things that I've ever read. And it sounds like a Tumblr fan fiction. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you do too. And that one thing took me out of the whole thing, but that, that aside, I, I think it was fine for the most part. Well, Dak, you were on fire last week. I, I had a few people say, like, man, Dak was on it last week. Uh, like, I had a few people say that to me. So I'm really excited to hear 
what you think. And I'm, and I'm curious because you're I kind of <laughs> thought that you might feel one way and uh, maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong. So just really quickly, what what were your thoughts? This surprised me. And like there are so many like I had so many expectations about this manga, both going into it last week and then coming into it this week that I was really like my like preconceived notions about what I thought this story was like going to be about and how it would work were just kind of thrown out the window. There were some things that I thought like elements of the story, like things and themes that it approached that I thought in some ways, like some themes I thought it was going to like completely like drop the ball. And I was like, Oh, this actually wasn't that bad. And then there are other things that I thought were a shoe in like easily handled and were very mind boggling in how the, manga adapted it so it was very surprising i couldn't i didn't expect it how it was gonna go and i have a lot to say about that and yeah there's i still think it made for a story that i overall enjoyed and i'm glad that we read i will say that the first volume is definitely stronger than Mm. the second volume i did not i went into this like the opposite of you i was ready to like be like oh not not hate it be like oh this is not going to be great it's actually a lot overall better than i was expecting but volume two is a lot more of what i was expecting initially than volume one was volume one surprised me in how different it was going to be volume two this is what i expected going into it initially you know what that's a great way to put it yeah you know like this is like based on like how other m went and like my preconceived notions about like how this manga might have like influenced that and then thus that's how this could be i thought it was gonna go one way and volume two is like all of that so yeah it made for a lot of interesting stuff made for an interesting read though and yeah i still kind of liked it (laughs) kind of like i i can't sit here and say that i hated it but i i think that's a great i I think that's a great way to put it because like i because I, I went into volume one not knowing what to think. I, if I'm being honest, maybe I, I probably was ready to not like it or I didn't think I would enjoy it. And then I really did. And so I was very optimistic for volume two and it kind of reverted back to type a little bit for me. And I will say, too, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I found for me, this was a lot harder to follow than in volume one, specifically because there's a lot more like action scenes and just due to manga because it's it's such a small panel it's such a you know it's black and white um you don't and, and like i i found like there was a lot more interactions between characters where it was a little bit more difficult to tell who was talking and i felt like this i feel like that presented itself more in volume two than in volume one um but i i, I don't know but i don't know if you guys had a a similar experience like that or not but i i felt like a few times i was just like wait a sec, like, who, who's talking again? Like, who's, like, what what's happening? Like, Sam's is fighting who right now? Um, so that that did pop up its its ugly head a few times, unfortunately, for my read as well. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, again, I think in both, at least both volumes for me, I didn't have a, a ton of time or ton of moments where I felt like I had lost track of what was happening. But I will say that I do remember, and I'm scanning through here, having a couple notes of like, oh, wait, I had to go back and like reread the the previous couple pages. I felt like I had that just a couple more times this time around versus last week. Mm. It's I still didn't feel like oh I I, I completely lost. I just kind of had to go back and be like wait what exactly happened? I mean literally when the the first chapter or I guess the eighth chapter or whatever it is starts, um, Samus is not like knocked down on the ground. I was like wait how did Samus like did she get attacked? And I didn't realize I had to go back and be like oh 
Ridley when he swipes in, I didn't realize like he also like knocked her Samus down and like attacked her when he came in yeah. to this big meeting in Torian that Samus had intruded on or whatever. To be fair, that was also since I had read it, uh, you know, a week ago. So maybe that was why. But yes, there were a couple moments for me that I had a little bit of trouble following. Hmm. Yeah, about the I don't think it was more or less difficult to follow than volume one. Um, I think I think for me it was actually a little bit easier just because after reading volume one, you know, I'm more used to, to kind of that style. And so I kind of, yeah. you know, it's still still difficult to go through. But, it, you know, you, you kind of you find a way to adjust to it, you know. Mm-hmm. OK, well, let's get started. Let's go to uh, let's go to chapter eight and uh, and pick oh, up yeah. exactly where manga volume one ended off. And it's funny because in, in our discord chat, uh, we were we were chatting earlier this week about like, <laughs> man, it seems like fans really, really love the idea of Samus having PTSD. And uh, let me tell you something. If you are not a fan of the Ridley scene in Metroid Other M, this was it was it was close to as verbatim a scene as you can get. Now there really? are a few key differences I think that make the manga a little less egregious and a little bit better. But yeah, I, I was just like it was really hard for me not to. Th- so what happens is is Ridley is attacking Samus, and um, and some characters are saying like you know Samus has PTSD of, of the original attack on K two L, which is fair. That's a that's a traumatic event. Um, but it's it's really hard not to think of that other M scene for for me watching that, which is probably my least favorite scene in Metroid, uh, like just at, period. Mm-hmm. So so that fair or not was was in my head. Now there there are some things that make this scene I I think better than other M, and and obviously Samus is a lot younger. She's a lot more inexperienced. She. You know, she she's not the Samus that we know and love and that has saved the galaxy and defeated Ridley multiple times over. So there is room for, you know, for, for those considerations. But yeah, it was um it was it was very, very other M esque. And it was uh it was a way to start off the, the manga, that's for sure. I I thought it so, was really funny how that's exactly I'll I'll let you go ahead, Doom, but I did think it was funny how when we started reading this or like when yeah. I started reading this fast, I'm like, oh, we jump right into that because yeah, we did just have that discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Doom, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's no like warning or prelude. It's just like, nope, we're there now. It's it's even faster than the um than the K2L raid in Volume One, which was already pretty fast on its own. Yeah, but um, uh, believe it or not, I as someone who is also very critical of like the other M stuff, I actually didn't mind it as much here, and I think the reason why before everyone gets the pitchforks out on me. I think the reason why is for the reasons that you listed, but also I think a lot of the more melodramatic element, because it is a very, the whole manga is very melodramatic in general. It is very much so in the forefront here. I think it works better in the manga format. I think if now, if there was an actual game that tried to recreate this and we saw this all happening in live action, yeah, it would probably be very cringeworthy. I'd probably hate it just as much as, you know, the other, the other M thing, but like, Reading in the pages of the panel, and again, just me trying to separate, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of the more goofier elements, and kind of just taking it what it is. I think as an element, I think it works in a story context. Mm-hmm. But I can also understand why someone might also have differing opinions on that as well. Right. I'm hoping that I'm going to be the the doom this week, <laughs> where you guys can kind of lift me up and build <laughs> me up, because I, I like I, I can't like I didn't absolutely hate it, and like on. 
on its own, like it, it makes perfect sense for Samus to have these traumatic memories associated with this scary dragon that's flying down and, you know, that it, that it impaled her parents. But, uh, it, it, it was, you know, like I said, fair or not, it, it really does kind of give you that other M stink, which is, it's hard to shake off. The, the way I see it, it's not so much that I was invested in it. I'm not like, oh, my God, I love this so much. It's like, I'm fine with this. I can accept this. It's mm. it's one of those things. Right. Yeah. That's so this was one of those things that I was actually pre- uh, pleasantly surprised of how the manga handled it way better than other M like way, way, way better. I don't this is not even remotely as bad as the Ridley scene in other M. So at least in my opinion, yeah, what you both have said makes sense. This is the this is as far as my understanding. This is the first time Samus has seen Ridley since K two L specifically. Yeah. So that is yeah. a big trigger that I think makes a lot of sense emotionally and logically. Like in other M, one of the biggest criticisms that's on the chronologically. Yeah, Samus has already taken down and met Ridley tons of times since three times at know, that point. Yeah, at that yeah. point a bunch. Yeah, so. And more multiple than times three. in the yeah. game. Yeah, more, you know, more than three. Whereas here, this is literally the first time. And then again, like you had said, Andy, she's way more experienced. None of the events of any of the Metroid games have happened yet. Like, she's not mm-hmm. an experienced bounty hunter at this point. So it all makes sense. That I was I was actually really fine with. But I can totally tell how when Other M was written, it was like lifted and kind of dropped into yeah. Other M. And in the context of Other M, now it doesn't make any sense. But in the manga, how it's presented and where it happens in her life and wake makes way more sense. Yeah, the scanlation's a bit clunky, it's a bit ham fisted, it's a bit like tropey mm-hmm. and and you know, melodramatic, but I actually did did not mind it. I thought this was one of the strengths of the manga that this makes a lot of sense for Samus's character. It's it didn't feel like super over the top. I don't know how accurate it is. Like, I'm no expert on this kind of stuff, but it seemed like it made sense logically and also just made sense, like, from what I had seen in the story. Right. So, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised with, how you know, again, dialogue wasn't perfect, wasn't flawless, but it was not bad. And I was and I like that it happened here and not in the middle of a fight down the road when Sam's has already got a bunch of, you know, notches in her belt and whatnot. Like, this is kind of the perfect timing. So. Yeah, I, I, I will say too um, to to build on top of that as well. Like one thing that you get with with this version of Samus and Ridley and the, the PTSD angle is at least you get like a payoff at, at, towards the end of the manga, which is skipping way ahead. But like yes. you, you also you never get that payoff another M. So I I like I admit I did have a little bit of a hard time separating other M from from this because mm-hmm. I mean that's a pretty infamous scene well, right it is but I think you can actually maybe appreciate this scene a bit more when you look at it in contrast to the other M scene because now when you kind of see this it's like oh this is probably how it should have been done yes and other M was not and now having come from them like oh this is a bigger improvement also I I feel like the manga really impresses a problem upon the reader a bit more that it wasn't just Samus's um, parents that died. It was literally everybody on K2L, like her entire people. Yeah. So that I think comes across a lot more in this story. So it makes a lot more sense that there's way more trauma behind it, where I think in the games and especially in other M it's mostly Samus's parents, which obviously is a very traumatic event, but having not just your family, but all people on the same planet as you dying, except you is on like another scale, right. another level. So I, I think it also works a bit more because of that 
that how the manga handles it in comparison to the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even directly like reference it as a Holocaust event. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, they do. Um, yeah, no, I I agree definitely with with both of what you guys are saying. Uh, that's uh, some really good points. Um, okay, let's let's keep it going here. And there's a lot there's a lot going on. So I'm gonna try and break it down. And correct me if I get anything wrong here. So um, really quickly, we switch and we see Samus's friends. Uh, so so Maz, uh, Crete, and wait, are we still in chapter eight? Or are we in chapter nine? We're in, we're in chapter eight still. Okay, okay. Um, and sorry, go ahead. P- Piochi the rabbit, I believe, is his name. And uh, so so they see that the space pirates are actually altering their own genetics using Chozo technology so that they can live and essentially set up their base of operation on Zebes because the atmosphere, as we determined in part one, is uh, is very hazardous and there's a lot of you know other, other factors as well that make it a tough place to live. So, so they come across... Uh, the space pirates doing that, and then at the at the same time we have Gray Voice, who you might remember from part one. He is a Chozo, and he has defected over to mm-hmm. the side of the space pirates in league with Mother Brain, which who we all knew that uh, that that could only end one way, and um, and so Ridley is here as well, and. You know who I realized Ridley is like in this manga? Oh, all right. I I hope it's not. I had it also a comparison. I hope you're not about to say it, but go ahead. I think I might. You okay? He is Starscream. Oh, okay, that's not that wasn't it. Go he's ahead. Starscream. Like he is. He's uh he's that guy from from Transformers. The the underling that's always kind of looking for power for himself. He's kind of crass, kind of annoying, kind of like Ridley is is Starscream. Who did you think mm-hmm. he was like? I was thinking um, Envy from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is probably which is an anime I'm sure you haven't watched, but it's my favorite anime of all time. And especially there's a there's a little panel. Well, I guess they're all little, but there's a panel where Ridley's talking about like kind of like toying with Samus about like, oh, I have to eat like flesh and or like I can eat flesh in order to regenerate, which yeah. is where that little tidbits dropped in. He's like, oh, I ate all the dead bodies on K2L like. Like I ate your parents. Like I wonder. Like is this? Are these her, their cells here? Like here? And it reminds me like that little like m- like those mannerisms reminds me so much of Envy, especially when they're in their like monster form in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. And that's that was the point when I made that connection. I was like, actually, this Ridley's kind of working for me. I I wasn't totally on board with like the over the top and like maniacally villainy cheesiness from ridley but when i got to this point and it's like getting to the point where it's like a creepy sinister like oh there's just something wrong there's something wrong with obviously something wrong with ridley but like there's something wrong with this dude kind of thing like mm. that's when i was like oh okay i'm i this i this chapter i was like i was starting to get one over a bit more like when i kind of made that connection there and maybe that's not entirely intended but um I, I was able. I was won over a bit more by Ridley's characterization when I kind of made that connection. I, I had a, I had a little bit of a different arc. Actually, I, I was getting a little bit tired of Ridley in in chapter eight and chapter nine. I was like, I was like, God, this guy kind of sucks, like you know. And then when I was like, I was like, who does he remind me of? And I don't know if you guys ever watched Beast Wars when you were a kid, but it's like a Transformer show. And there's a there's a pterodactyl in that show who's like. He's basically like the Beast Wars equivalent of Starscream. And I was like, that, that's who he reminds me of is Starscream. Mm-hmm. And I was like. You know, if that's what they're going for, I kind of I kind of do dig that, actually, because like Starscream kind of sucks, too. And that's what makes him such a good heel. And, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I kind of like that, you know, like, obviously, uh, I, I prefer my Ridley sinister and menacing and s- 
silent. Um, but like if, you know, if, for example, if, if, if Nintendo ever made like an illumination Metroid movie, probably never happened, but if they did and they needed to give Ridley a character and a personality, this I think they it. could do worse than like the Starscream kind of sucky villain. Like, yeah, yeah. Very talkative, which I think is maybe what, maybe that's the side of Ridley here in the manga that I'm still not super like driving with is the, how it's talkative different. he is yeah he's so talkative like but then again it's like it's hard because it's a character that at least from the games doesn't talk so it's hard like where do you really piece that together when you finally adapt that so mm-hmm. but yeah um interesting interesting choice of words right out of the gate from ridley on a lot of these panels <laughs> Um, okay, so so Ridley joins the fray in Torian as well, and so we've got Grey Voice, we've got Mother Brain, we've got Ridley, and we've got a uh, a captured Samus who um, who. But actually, this is an important little nugget of information here. Um, so so Grey Voice, actually Ridley says to, to Grey Voice, like, listen, you finish Samus off, and you will earn my respect. And and Grey Voice says, like, I'm not doing it first and foremost because I can't because Chozo have a. Uh, an anti-violent, like, like an anti, they cannot inflict harm. Violence, yeah, like gene or something. If they start some, uh, hurting some anybody, Metroid, some Metroid Dread Toha gene like, nonsense. It, I right think there. it's really <laughs> funny how like it's like there any opportunity to throw in some like gene modification or gene specific thing into the story. They're like they take that opportunity. They grab life by the horns. Like yes, there will be a a gene where you prefer vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate and or something like there's something a gene for every little thing in the Metroid I, universe. I, I, I like this to be honest. It was so insane that I was like, yes, this is great. Like this is, <laughs> this is great. So the, the Chozo, or at least this particular branch of Chozo, mm-hmm. I don't know about the other ones, but these guys cannot inflict harm. And if they do inflict harm, they inflict, it's almost like, like if I punch Doom in the shoulder, I would feel the exact amount of pain that I inflicted in my own shoulder. I, I think that's the idea that they were trying to get across, right? Or like even I think more. So. Like it would even maybe like, more, yeah. Like you would feel it even more. Maybe I'm I'm adding on there, but yeah, it's like you also take damage no matter what, and you can risk your own life. <laughs> this was by awesome. inflicting harm on others. I um, honestly, at that at that point, I feel like I kind of just glossed over it. You know, I, I'm like, laughing, but right, I, I, I like that. I feel I feel like it actually like kind of fits with like the Chozo and like their enlightened the, being kind of kind of deal. I um, think I, I <clears> think <throat> it was pretty dumb and goofy, but at the same time, like I just kind of tossed it in like the cybernetic butterflies bin, where it's like, okay, we're just I'm just separating this at this point. It's one of those things. Not, where, I'm like, not going to think about it. Is it better that like what I had rathered um, the Chozo having a literal like modification to their genes where they can't <laughs> fight people or what I would rather it be like, Oh, the Chozo are so beholden to this like way of life that like it yeah, figuratively hurts them to break it or something. I'm like, is that better or worse? And especially in a sci-fi context, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's difficult. So. I, I, I mean, I think, I think I know what I would pick. I, <laughs> you know, but, but Hey, okay. uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not the most All egregious right. thing in this comic. That's no, for sure. It's not. And no, uh, it's not. So yeah, I, I kind of like the setup here where, where Ridley's like, you do it. And then, uh, and, and at this point too, gray voice is just like the second reason he's not going to kill Samus is cause he's, he's still pretty convinced that she's going to come around and, and join their cause. And uh, that's pretty much how the chapter ends. So we, we go right to chapter nine here. Ridley is, is going nuts. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to kill all the Chozo, but actually what I'm going to do, I'm going to, we're going to have a public execution. We're going to get all these guys in, in Criteria Square and we're going to chop them all one by one. And uh, 
this this is great. And so so tell me if I got this right. So Kreitz, Mock, and Pianchi, the rabbit, um, they get back to the ship and they've got like two hours, but you might remember that the Galactic Federation is coming to the planet Zebus to attack it. And Adam had told Samus that he, they have 48 hours to to go in and, and save the Jozo before they come. And so they've got like two hours left. So all the, the rest of the gang, except for Samus, is back to the ship. And Samus had told them that they got to go. But um, basically what, what they do is they use the ship's cannons to set off a, an explosion which has like a chain reaction which eventually makes its way to Torian and uh, I, I, I had a bit of a hard time following the scene to be honest because it was black and white it was a lot of explosions so so I think the gist of it is is that they set off an explosion it got to Torian it caused a bunch of, of havoc down there Did I, get so that I believe right? what was happening so I believe what was happening is there's a bunch of pirate ships in orbit that were connected to Mother Brain's central system to keep her operational while the pirates were still embedding her into the planet and so the chain reaction caused all of these ships connected to Torian to explode that makes much more sense <laughs> um okay that, that sounds right i yeah. just remember them i think like remote controlling a ship to blast a rocket that has like an explosion go off mm-hmm. yeah and, I, and they, I, they that's mostly i picked up they were using like heat signatures to find the right targets and stuff like it, it, was, it was a little bit complex I, I, th- but. I, th- I felt like the salient point was samus's friends help her, her escape yeah. by causing an explosion which was like okay like the ones that my brain got that i was like okay all the other details are not important right let's let's keep going so this is a cool point in in retrospect because when i wrote this note I, i'm obviously in chapter nine but i'm like what's going on with gray voice here like he's he's covering for the fact that samus clearly has friends helping her out and he's just like no 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 samus has a history of disobeying orders she has a history of like being a lone wolf this is a contingency plan of hers and so he's covering for for samus's friends to mother brain which i thought was kind of cool so i'm asking myself like what's up with this guy is he like, is he trying to do this intentionally? Does he legitimately think that, like, you know, Samus is in on it alone? So in a little bit, that'll pay off. But, uh, you know, a nice little bit of, uh, mm-hmm. of storytelling here. Um, and this also this also lets all the Chozo see another day because Ridley's like, you know what? Instead of executing you, you can go fix everything that was destroyed. Um, and then, so Grey Voice here is like the, the commander, basically, of, of the space pirates. Like, he outranks Ridley. In, in this current uh, succession right now. Yeah, I was a little confused by that because I guess Ridley is like, he's up there, but he's still, he's like Darth Vader, you know? Like, he's not sitting at the table, mm-hmm. at, you know, making the decisions, but he's up there enough where he's going to have a voice, I guess, but he's still going to go off and do the major dirty work. The, the dude is Starscream, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a banana, he's a top banana, but he's not the top banana. Um, so and and by the way, Ridley and, and Grey Voice are like butting heads here. Like Grey Voice at one point is just like, "You got to go now." And I thought they were about to to throw hands at one point, and uh, we'll get to there later. But um, I, I liked I liked this little feud that they had, this mini feud. It, it grew on me as it as it kind of went on. Um, so yeah, so the the next panel, um, <laughs> Kreitz, Mock, and Pianchi, the Rabbit have in fact rescued a few chozo i believe i know for sure they rescue platinum chest and um i I actually i think they rescue everybody is that right because they pick up samus and she looks like the sax she's just like kill me and she looks like a zombie she's very very clearly still struggling with with you know her her symptoms um from seeing ridley 
Uh, again, I, I don't know if it was just me, but I was just like, oh, like, did, did they pick everybody up? Did I miss that? Like, did I? So I, it, it was it was a little bit tough to follow, I thought, again. Yeah, I wasn't my what I got was that they got the the prisoners, which was the group, the, that small group that they had identified being held in that cell in the wall or whatever that was. Like, I, I didn't I wasn't sure, like what the whole prisoner situation was. If those were all the prisoners, they were just some of them or the most important ones. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they were just the prisoners. And I, I honestly, not going to lie, I don't know how they saved anybody because Torian literally looks like when your computer freezes, like 50 computer tabs, like all stacked on top of each other. There's like no floor. So I didn't like, except for that one area where Samus is having this conversation with everyone else. So. I was no, I was confused in how they were able to get everyone else out, but I'm assuming it's through they were going through the vents that Mock and Crete's were, I think, using. Um, yeah, so Doom, do you have any explanation for this? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I missed. Uh, not it. really. Again, again, it was one of those things where I'm just like, not going to worry about the details. They rescued him. That's yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, well, that uh, that's chapter ten. It ends with that creepy zombie Samus panel where she's like, "Kill me." So, uh, as chapter, I'm sorry, that was chapter nine. As chapter ten begins, uh, they're they're very clearly taking this PTSD angle to like an eleven out of ten. Uh, Samus is inconsolable. She is having flashbacks to the attack on K2L. Um, I think that uh, you know they're 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 really selling the idea that she's uh, she's struggling here, and then like. Um, she kind of has like a, you know a nice moment actually. I, I thought that this was kind of nice where she has like this like uh, I don't know if it was like a memory or like an apparition or something like that. But she she sees like some chozo that are just like you know they're basically saying like you you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like girl, just cry if you need to cry and like let it out and let it be gone. And she does, and it's it's like a little bit melodramatic. But I, I actually didn't mind this scene at all. I thought it kind of worked and like it was especially considering Samus is younger and like just starting her career. Um, I thought it was all right. Yeah, no, this 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 goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it gives us more detail on how it wasn't just like her parents that got all slaughtered in K-12. It was all her people and whatnot. So there's a little more here as well. And obviously the title of the chapter, like Phoenix One, like Sam's is kind of like rising from the ashes mm. of of her her torment and, and trauma. And yeah, I think there's. It, it's it's t- going back to that theme of like emotion versus duty where I feel like now she's kind of coming out of this with like her own inner duty, like her own emotional duty, so mm-hmm. to speak, like where she, like what's most important now is not like the like, orders given to her and what she feels about stuff, but what is like her true like destiny, like what she was meant to do. It, it feels and, like they're working in harmony now rather than. Yes, kinda, ex- yeah. exactly. Yes, exactly. That that's. And, and and I'm trying I was trying to dig deeper into like maybe that that is the message of this and or what of the themes or messages and maybe that could be off. But I definitely felt that there was that like breakthrough of this sense of duty and emotion kind of melding and coming together. And by the way, before I pass it on, I did want to mention something because you had you brought this up, Andy, the Chozo coming through and saying, yeah, like, you know, we like you have all this stuff to deal with, like, you know, you can let it out like. The Chozo were the ones that made her the protector of the galaxy. Like, I like how they kind of come through to like, you have so much weight on your shoulders. Yeah. Like, you are the ones who put it there. You gave her all of this responsibility when she was like a teenager. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, you, like, and then you're like, oh, well, I wonder how that happened. 
well, you, you you know, you have a here's a shoulder to cry on. So I just thought I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, I honestly, again, I I think that how the the manga handles again, there's a little bit of melodrama. I think that the I don't know why you, you kept calling it the zombie panel or whatever, but like where Samus is like yelling and like you know end me or whatever it is like um like wants to die at the end of the previous chapter, like a bit melodramatic. But again. I think it's it to me how the manga is handling all this kind of stuff feels more logical. I would like to think that if you're going to do this kind of like character angle that you're doing it accurately, right? Like dealing with like a subject like PTSD, hopefully you want to be doing it ideally accurately. No, I'm not, I'm not an expert. So I would, I don't know if this is accurate. It feels like if this, if you were to tell me this is a more accurate representation of PTSD than what happens in other M. I, oh. I would, I would be like, I would be like, I oh, that. okay, that may, I would believe that, and I would hope that's the case. So, like, what I'm saying, like, oh, this feels like better, like this seems more logical. I would hope that it is more accurate and isn't just better for you know dramatic, you know, for drama's sake. But I do feel like it's being handled with more tact and a bit more taste and a bit more, you know, I don't know, a, a little more grace to it. So I again don't mind it here, and I think it kind of works. And Samus like gets back into it with a little bit of a hearkening back to the theme. So mm-hmm. it works for me, I guess. Doom, any thoughts? Uh, uh, first off, I, I think we need to add like a Zora cameo counter in these episodes from now on. I've, we've been getting some, that, uh, hey? some consistent Zora cameos. <laughs> she, yeah. loves, she loves jumping up here while I uh, record. Absolutely. I mean, hey, I, I enjoy it too. But, um, but yeah, basically, I don't really have much to add. One thing I will say, though, is in the whole sequence... I kind of wish that Samus, like, um, got thrown around a little bit more. Because, like, in the, throughout the panel, at least the way I interpreted it, sounds like the whole PTSD attack was kind of the extent of it. She didn't, like, she didn't really get into a brawl with Ridley and, like, get on the losing end of that. I don't know. Have any of you guys seen Invincible yet? The, uh, on the, the TV show based on the comic? No, not yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the, the Amazon. It's on my list to watch. Omni-Man. Yeah, yeah, Omni Man yeah. versus yeah. So basically, I, I was thinking I wanted to see the finale of that episode, the mm-hmm. Omni Man versus Invincible uh, finale. Slight spoilers there, but I mean, most people who haven't seen it probably know about it by now. But uh, yeah, I wanted to see something. Maybe not, maybe not necessarily as gory and visceral as that fight. That would probably be too intense even for this manga. But like, you know, I, I want, you know, I wanted to see Samus get beat, beaten up because I feel like the the best characters, you know. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going. And I kind of, I kind of wanted to see that happen to Samus a little bit. But that's overall a minor nitpick. I think overall, though, the the whole the whole scene and the ultimate theme it was trying to go for still works really well. Yeah, mm. you know, I, I think like, I think Samus might have not like physically got beat up a whole lot, but I, I was pretty satisfied with like what she went through, like on an emotional level, and, and it's, it seems like she's yeah. pretty down and out at least in. If not, uh, like I said, physically, then then certainly emotionally. But I mean, I guess I I guess I can appreciate that. It always like a redemption arc, obviously, is always a, a trope that works because it's easy to relate to and you can get behind it. Um, I think so, it yeah. might have been a bit much if like she was going through all that stuff emotionally and mentally, and also was like getting just dumpstered physically a little I bit. Think, I think, and I think it, I kind of like would have worked against it a little. bit. Like the whole point is that even this emotional like aspect of it is so like such a it ends up being kind of a physical thing you know like she is kind of getting beat up physically almost like it is Mm -hmm. that significant like i don't think you would need to 
kind of hammer it over someone's head, so to speak, by like, oh, and by the way, she's also getting punched <clears throat> in the face super hard. Well, um, I will so say, I'm always I down mean, for a visceral fight. That's for sure. Yeah. I t- one thing, I guess, not to counter that, but just to add in, like, it's it's not like the the manga is is super subtle in a lot of other areas. So, like, <laughs> uh, but I, I think I, I think I tend to agree yeah. that that might have been. A li- I mean, at the at the same time, too, like. I feel like, you know, Samus is like a 14-year-old kid in this comic, too. So, like, I, I feel like I'm totally fine with seeing her, like, you know, complete her origin story, maybe get thrown around a little bit by the Space Pirates. But, like, I, I also don't want to see, like, a, you know, a 14-year-old kid, even if she's going to go on to be the most powerful warrior in the history of the world. <laughs> I still don't want to see her get, like, yeah, you yeah, know what I yeah. mean? So, um, and Ridley is going nuts here, by the way, too. He's, he's throwing a big tantrum. And uh, that that all the prisoners have escaped. This is when I was just like, man, Ridley sucks. But like, I I kind of think it's cool. I, like, it's kind of funny how much he sucks. Like, yeah, this volume won me over. I think with Ridley, where I was kind of at that point, I was bought in. I was like, okay, this is the Ridley I'm getting, and like, I'm kind of down with the Ridley shenanigans. He's a yeah. bit more of like a little more comic relief, a bit more like maniacal, sinistery than I was like than menacing. But there is in in and of itself. A, a menacing quality because of how like mm-hmm. just psychotic he is. Yeah. So yeah. What, like once you once you kind of just accept like like Ridley, you know he kind of sucks. Like he's he's pretty cool. He's pretty funny and uh, very charming. Like yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so everybody uh, makes it out of Torian, uh, or so they think. They are confronted by a group of space pirates, and this is where Samus starts to, uh, I guess, to get it together and and and. F- take the first step to becoming the uh, the famous bounty warrior that we all know her to be. And she whips out that arm cannon and, pow, and that's the end of chapter 10. So chapter 11 starts and, and Samus is back to normal. And we've got one hour, one hour before uh, the Galactic Federation lands to make their attack. And so Samus says uh, something that I thought was kind of cool. Like like there's there's acid rain in Brin, or in Criteria as we have to take the Brinstar route. So I, I kind of like that little bit of like, not world building, but just like attention to detail, I guess. Um, very minor thing, but I, I thought that it was cool. Uh, so what happens next, I think, is Platinum Chest gives <laughs> up his life force to fully power Samus's power suit. I was right? so confused by this because I don't, does he not die? Because he doesn't die because doesn't Samus talk to him later? Like uh, no, I, I think a fully ex- escaped, or is she? Talking I think she to old talks Bird? to Old Bird. By the way, I made this note in a little bit. Where the hell is Old Bird? Is he dead? I thought he died earlier. Did Did he die? I I don't remember. Like I I knew that he was <laughs> he was captured in in Volume One. Is like is he is Maybe he Gonzo? Was... I don't know. No? I'm not okay. gonna lie. I here so so my note here was. I think Platinum Chest or some Chozo resonated <laughs> Samus's suit with light, question mark. And then I keep going. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know what happened or what the significance of that was. Maybe it was like uh, giving Samus a connection to Grey Voice or the other Chozo to, like, to help find them or something or giving her some knowledge. I, or I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember this panel, so. <laughs> uh, well, God God rest Platinum Chest Soul, wherever uh, he may be in the cosmos. But yes, he he does, in fact, give up his life force to to, to make Sam's suit uh, all the better. And uh, and so he, he, he's Hold gone. for Platinum. 
Yeah, that's right. And in, in Torian, um, Mother Brain is talking up the space pirates, just giving them kind of a pep talk and an inspirational speech on how they should approach <laughs> their attack when all of a sudden... Even though they're mindless drones, as the yeah. previous volume established, <laughs> it, with a with a triangle pyramid graph or whatever, <laughs> that they are mindless drones, but they need a pep talk. So he, These little worker bees are uh, they're having trouble working right now, so the queen bee's <laughs> got to step trouble. in. Um, unfortunately for, for the queen bee mother brain, someone in a power suit shows up to start oh. throwing hands. Oh, man. And that, my friends, is revealed to be Grey Voice, which is actually kind of a cool reveal. And his power suit looks sick. His power suit looks, looks really awesome. cool. Yeah. Um, so at, at this point, I was just like, what? I was like, was this <laughs> his plan all along? Like, he did he only change court? Because he kind of, he there's a line in there that where he says, like, um, the, the rest of the Chozo are not expendable. Like, they, uh, it, it's an, it, I kind of inferred, like, Maybe he was on board with everything, but then when Ridley was like, I'm going to execute all the Chozo, that was the point where he was just like, you know what, I'm out of this. But um, we, we find out the answer to that later. But at the time, I was I was a little bit confused reading it. Um, so here, here we go. Uh, Grey Voice is attacking Mother Brain, and his Chozo mental block against <laughs> inflicting harm is killing him. And uh, and Grey Voice is is just like you know what we created you Mother Brain and you're defective you're a mistake you are an abnormality that's perverted the original ideals that we that we created you with which was to lead the the galaxy into a united harmonious future and I I kind of dig this stuff you know me I'm a sucker for like good AI kind of kind of tropey stuff like that so I was like okay I'm I'm back on board like this is. This is good stuff, and Grey Voice is playing uh, some mind games here, and uh, Mother Brain is like is losing it, and she's just like, no, 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 I'm the future. And then Grey Voice pulls out the trump card. He's like, you're jealous of Samus, and it's pretty hard to argue that actually. You're jealous. You're, yeah. The, the do- I'm not gonna lie. I kind of hate the proverbial. Heart. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of hated this. Oh <laughs> come on. Like, even even. even, even tr- I, I tried. I tried to throw it into the cybernetic butterfly dumpster. I, I I don't know this one. This one this one was just a jump the shark a little bit too much for me. Yeah, this was this was odd. It was it felt it, honestly it felt like a kindergarten level kind of temper tantrum argument. Like you're a mistake. No, I'm not. I'm perfect. Oh, oh come on. I this... disagree though. You're a mistake. No, it was I, I I hated it. This was good stuff. Come on, he was so over the top. It was great. It was definitely something I feel like would have played better with voices and music and sweeping cuts and maybe wow. it doesn't play as well on, on, on panel, on page. But yeah, this is uh, this was something I OK, so I didn't have as big of a deal with the dialogue itself. I was totally fine with Mother Brain being like over the top, whatever it was. My things with this were OK. And aside from the lead in, which is whatever Platinum Chess was doing was the the initial double cross of gray voice to defecting i thought was great it felt like there was a bunch of like like it built towards it like it mm-hmm. it was a big twist even though like you might have known about it like going into this just lore wise but like it was really cool this the the, the double cross kind of is like uh, it doesn't doesn't feel like because not as much time has passed we don't really know gray voice that well where like we know enough about him where the first twist works. Like we know he's a chosen, we know he's a good guy. So like when he defects to the bad guys, 
you know, okay, it's that's pretty like, impactful. Wow, that, that's, yeah. that's pretty impactful. Yeah. But if he changes back, I'm like, okay, I don't know enough about him individually. Like, is he the type of individual to double cross? Like, all this kind of stuff. So, like, I feel like you need to know a little bit more about the character when you start to go layers deep with these double crosses and backstabs and betrayals to make, like, their motivations make sense and be compelling. On the other hand, it also, there wasn't a lot of time between them. So, like, you couldn't really, like, we were still, like, grasping and grappling with the first betrayal that mm. the second double cross happens. And you're like, oh, okay. The, all right, he's back on the good side. All right, great. Awesome. We don't have to worry about it. And then third, um, there was just this element of like, did Mother Brain not see that? Not that she did like didn't see it coming, but like she didn't have any kind of backup plan. Like she just immediately trusted Gray Voice and didn't have like a contingency of like, oh, in case this guy that I just brought on my team betrays me, I can do blah blah blah. Like the fact that he was able to just—I mean, to be fair, he kind of just brute forces his way in anyway. So like, what can you really do? But like, doesn't seem to have like was like, whoa, like you're betraying me, like. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you don't, why would you have trusted this guy? Like, even if he was on your side, like, you just met him. Essentially, not you just met him, but, like, you just put him on your team. Like, you don't know really where he's aligned. So that element of it, too, is in the back of my head. I'm like, wow, Mother Brain's so smart, but yet didn't have this, like, contingency plan in case this dude turns on her. So there were elements of that. Obviously, the mental guard thing is, like... Okay, how did the Chozo expand into space or do anything ever if they couldn't ever be violent to literally anything? Like, that's just, like, whatever nonsense. Don't even think it needs to be in the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That I information was... would have come in handy for Dread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that also... Speaking of Dread, by the way, I did get it in this chapter and the previous chapter. The time that Grey Voice was um, aligned with Mother Brain and the Space Pirates, it got a lot of Ravenbeak vibes from Grey Voice. And I kind of felt like the inspiration for Ravenbeak, especially... I, I think, mm. Andy, you had mentioned when Ridley tells the Chozo to go fix the body adaptation machine or whatever. I thought that was Grey Voice giving that order. So I kind of got that like, oh, like it reminded me of Ravenby giving Quiet Robe the orders to do stuff with the uh, with the Emmys and whatnot, reprogram them to take out uh, mm. Samus. So uh, maybe, I maybe it was uh, maybe it was Grey Voice that gave that command. I, yeah, I could be wrong. But I got I got vibes of that. But yeah, those are my issues with this. I didn't have the biggest issue with the dialogue. It was just kind of these like little logical things that were thrown in there that I'm like, eh, didn't really work for me. And then the double cross was like, I, w- I wish I got more of bad guy gray voice. You know, there wasn't enough time. Yeah. Like that's something that you save for a reveal later, like, and really build up to that. Like you it get also a little feels bit weird. of a hint of it, but that's it. It feels weird because before, like before it's revealed that, you know, he was, you know, a double, double agent the whole time. Like he watches quite a few of those Chozo get uh, yeeted by Ridley. Like, <laughs> And you know, know what, you got to sell it. You got to make there is trusty. there is something I want to talk about. It's in the next chapter, but but really quickly, I Remember, actually no Russian. I want to say I I can't sit here and disagree with either of you in like the like like the dialogue is hokey, like no doubt. But I I feel like that's just something that I kind of accept in like a, a yeah. manga because I, I mean it. like, but I I will say I I don't think Mother Brain is. Uh, all that mother brain esque in the way that she's communicating. She she seems very emotional uh, when you're kind of expecting this very, you know, artificial kind of being. Um, and I and I can't sit here and say that I can't think off the top of my head of like at least a couple different ways that I might have done the gray voice thing and it, and it would have been better. But it, like, I think at this point, I I was just kind of like. 
I was I was kind of struggling to get into the second volume, and this was finally something cool that was going on. I was like, you know what? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm down with it. But but I I can't I can't disagree with with anything you guys are saying. I, I think specifically the the gray voice turn. Like I I wish that there would have been almost like a Darth Vader arc to him, but like obviously very much condensed. But like maybe he legitimately did go with with Mother Brain, and and maybe the end chapter is is maybe where he does something to. Uh, to redeem himself because we see something later but it's in like this weird you know we'll, we'll get there actually we'll get there um yeah you don't you don't get the redemption arc because he was always on the good side so. yeah yeah okay well so we start chapter 12 and uh so Pla- platinum chest reveals this i guess he's alive Wait, or that, maybe that, it's that's a, what i was confused maybe it's a flashback chest. I thought Platinum Chest did. I don't think Platinum Chest gave his life. I think he just was like, here's some magic bird blight. Maybe, I don't know what I the hell know. is going on here, to be honest with you. But Platinum <laughs> Chest is here. Or maybe it's old. But I don't know. One of these Chozos just like, all right. Gray Voice is uh, he's a double agent. He joined the Space Pirates. And it was a ruse from the beginning because we knew that we had to to take out. Uh, we knew we had to take out Mother Brain. And and I actually I kind of like this part to to your point Doom where it's like he, um, the, the Gray Voice watch a bunch of Chozo get uh, get killed where the Platinum Chest is like the Chozo were all so committed to this that like we we thought that our lives were forfeit by by doing this so like I, I can I can kind of write off that that little bit about uh, you know why he might have just been like so mal- seemingly malicious and watching his fellow Chozo get killed though um, though I do think it's funny how. The Chozo set up this protector of the galaxy in Samus and then didn't expect the protector of the galaxy to show up to protect them. Not a lot of foresight from the Chozo, as you might would you might have expected. (laughs) Well, I I think clearly not. Like, I think that this this manga does a decent job of showing the Chozo as like not infallible. I mean, they did create Mother Brain. They created Metroids. They they're responsible for a lot of bad stuff. Um. But yeah, so so Samus is uh, she's a little bit upset that she doubted Gray Voice. Uh, to be fair, I think I would have doubted Gray Voice too. That was a pretty I think I, yeah, convincing. She's a, little, she's a little hard on herself yeah. here. I think everyone would have uh, been duped. Um, I made a note here too that says like I I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of, of bad guy Gray Voice, but uh, you know it is what it is. And um, and I did kind of like too that I can't remember if it's here, but like so so Gray Voice also says like I. He's attacking Mother Brain with a weapon that is not in her uh, database, which is, I, I think, for me, that's kind of why I was able to to dismiss a little bit in my own head, like, you know, wouldn't Mother Brain have seen this coming? Or, like, maybe it was, like, something that Chozo pre-programmed or, like, a weakness that they exploited because they built her. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of cool. But But here we go. This next scene. It's like a flashback <laughs> or something like that. Uh so we learn that uh, Gray Voice's DNA is, in fact, <laughs> the DNA planted inside of Samus all those years ago to help her live on the planet Zebes. And I was like, I can hear my co-host groaning from Calgary, Alberta right now. And uh, it's basically the exact same story from Metroid Dread, except with Gray Voice in place of Ravenbeak. And... Uh, what makes it even more egregious, I think this was worse than Metro Dread, actually, by like a mile, um, is that Samus immediately yeah. is just like, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, jeez. That, that's, that's, the, that's the part for me that made it worse, because I yeah. think the, 
how this goes about the actual setup of it, I think is fine because all right, if someone like if Samus got chosen DNA, okay, there's probably someone who gave it. it has to be yeah. somebody, I guess, right? So it, it's great voice, okay, fine, everything ties back together, whatever. But if Samus just like took the information and didn't take it like figuratively, like or maybe so literally, I don't know. It was like, oh, he's literally my father. That it would have been okay, but then when Samus is the one to like make that like conclusion uttered, yeah, it's that's when it's like ah, just uh, skip, See, skip, keep going, let's go and go, keep going. You, you guys always kind of dumped on the Ravenbeak reveal because he said like I'm I'm your father, but but in my mind, I was always fine with that because I was like Ravenbeak's trying to play a little bit of mind games here, like he's trying to get inside Samus's head, to get an advantage. Where like this is she's maybe both <laughs> are bad. <laughs> uh, maybe they yeah. are, but I don't know. But <laughs> like, I, I thought this was like a lot worse because, like, at least after Ravenbeak was like, "My DNA is in you, Samus." Just wasn't like, "Dad, father, let's hug." Because this, this was bad. This is bad, and it's and it's so instant. I, I definitely, from like the story point of view and like the familial ties, I think this the manga does it worse. I think the reason the dread one is also so bad is just again because of that. That Thoha mocking Metroid controlling that—that's yeah. the part that I really just don't like and dread. That—that's pretty irrelevant in this whole story right here. And so, really, it's just that weird familiar tie thing. But again, it's one of those moments where I just toss it into the cybernetic uh, butterfly bin. I think sometimes <laughs> and just, just a bit too much of the DNA magic, space magic, mumbo jumbo yeah. for me. Because like, I all—it's not like like Metroid already has so much DNA genetic stuff going on that when you start to add like oh well now you have this person's lineage and this thing affects how things are affected by your dna it starts to get a bit too much when we're already in the land of like you know gene modification and cloning and vaccinations that change your dna and 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 like to a like a crazy degree and like change your whole body makeup and whatnot like that's Mm -hmm. already stuff we're kind of accepting that you start to there's that like I don't know. Maybe there's like a term for it, but like uh, just the 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 threshold of what you're willing to accept, and you know, like for the story to be enjoyable for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things you kind of just accept that you you know are able to take into account so you can enjoy a story and be like, all right, that's how it is. I think when you add too much of that, it really starts to break that immersion, not immersion, but like compelling nature of a story because you're asking the, the audience just to like why is so this so much. Yeah. Like so much nonsense that it becomes a little bit overbearing. You know what's a good? This is off topic. Do you guys you guys remember the Dark Knight Rises? I had a moment like that too, where I was like, my threshold was tipped, where where Bane and his cronies managed to like like bomb the bottom of Wayne Tower and all their expensive tech falls down and Bane takes it all. Like that to me, I was just like, I I can't accept this. This is like this is a little bit too far. And this in this story, this one. I can't say that, like, again, I was just kind of like, this whole thing is, like, so over the top and, and insane that, like, I can accept it, but it was, it was pretty, I thought this was, like, a lot worse than Dread. Doom, is this the moment that you were, is this the moment where you were just like, this absolutely sucks? Is this what you were talking about? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, you can, if you look in the podcast chat, you can probably get a better idea of the moment that made me turn. But, the, the, again, this is... We're, we're still tossing it in the cybernetic butterflies bin at this point. This isn't like okay. this isn't like wow, I'm turning full heel on this yet. Um, all right, so so back in Torian, uh, Gray Voice and Mother Brain are fighting, and then Ridley comes and he starts taking the fight to Gray Voice, and uh, he gets the upper hand as well. Right. 
This fight Very spills cool. out, I think, to Criteria is where they end up. And, and we see a Chozo statue. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And by the way, Samus cool. also, once she found out that Grey Voice was her father, was like, I ain't getting on this ship. I'm going back for yes. Grey Voice because I can hear him uh, fighting. A hero. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, Samus and Ko are, uh, they're, they're in space, I, I believe, at this point, And they're being chased by a bunch of pirate ships and uh, things actually don't look very good for them either. It looks like they're overwhelmed. But in his final act, Grey Voice destroys the ships chasing Samus. And uh, I think that this was hard to follow again, unfortunately. A lot of explosions, a lot of different stuff going on. Certainly would have would have helped to have color, uh, but that's, you know, just the nature of manga. Um, there's this really weird panel where the Galactic Federation shows up and we get this close-up of Kreitz and he's just like, my fat mom moves faster than these guys or something. And it was just <laughs> like, ooh, geez. Um, but Adam and the Galactic Federation show up and they rescue Samus. They rescue all of her friends. Uh, Samus has is really lame remark about making her father proud and that's <laughs> that's how the chapter ends and and frankly that probably is should how the manga should have ended but it's not we still we still go on yeah Thoughts? yeah what a- so i really wasn't sure what was happening here there's, a, there's actually a pretty funny exchange between uh Crete's and Adam here where basically Crete's there's like a moment in the panel where it's bleeped out because he's losing it for a reason and again I yeah yeah, and again I've I've had absolutely no idea what he's mad about here like I could not for the life of me figure it out I I think it's because the Galactic Federation ships are are taking so long to get in to either rescue them or attack some somebody attacking them or something yeah yeah it was was something like that they wanted to get the Galactic Federation's attention but I I didn't get from what because I didn't I didn't sound like that they were being tailed by anybody. Whatever. But yeah, so basically he's like like swear like just swearing nonstop like a sailor, and it's actually bleeped out in the panel. And then basically he doesn't realize he's on the intercom and Adam calmly like calmly like reiterates the request, like, hey, if you don't calm down, <laughs> then I'm going to turn my effing ship the F around. And it's like, okay, that's a pretty funny line right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um what'd you think? Of this deck, uh, I uh, I will say I had some confusion because I thought Samus was racing back to save Gray Voice, but then she was right? suddenly leaving the planet and being. I, she was chased by space pirate ships the whole time. I got that, but like I thought she was on her way to save Gray Voice, and then suddenly she was trying to leave the planet mm-hmm. and get away, and she was going to save by the Federation. Maybe it's because like she felt Gray Voice die, and that's when they they turned around. Like she had that connection, and then she's like, "Oh, it's too late." And they, I, I missed that. I, I, I missed that. So I was mm-hmm. a little confused. Um, well, see, that's I what thought, I meant when I said it was, it was hard for me to follow sometimes yeah. like what was happening. That that this was the part where I was most had a little hard. Like I was confused in how Samus ended up. I thought she was going way one way. She goes another, and yeah, Federation shows up, saves the day, and boom. Awesome. So I, I, this was a, it felt like a climax, like mm-hmm. that where everything was kind of building up to, and it, it wasn't. And when we got like that pullback, and then I'm not going to reveal oh, what yeah, happened. We'll get there. When, when what happens happens, I was like, oh, that really wasn't the ending. I actually at first had an issue with how it was handled, but I, but not over time, I was more okay with it. But for this particular 
uh, chapter. I thought this was like a really exciting, like there's a lot of stuff happening. It was a little bit hard to follow, but it was exciting. I really like the Ridley versus Grey Voice like fight, even though it's more of like Ridley just kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> Grey Voice. But yeah. um, I thought that was cool. A lot of cool art. A little confusing to follow, but Samus learns about the plan. We get a bunch of information. We get some cool action. And then it kind of wraps up like this, like end of the second act, like point. Like it's not the it's not the, the true climax, but it's like the climax before the climax, so to speak. But like end of the second act kind of big moment here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I was pretty good. This felt like a, a very weird place not to end Metroid manga volume two and i and i i suspect i don't know this for a fact because i didn't do any research i would have to imagine that there was plans to continue the metroid manga that that perhaps got cut short and to eventually maybe consolidate it into maybe like the maybe book two would have ended here and book three would have been uh the next couple chapters plus like however many other chapters because uh you know as we'll talk about when we get there it's very abrupt uh, the ending, but uh, this it, it it was weird because it, it felt like the next couple chapters to me, like they felt like they really kind of limped along because it was like, I feel like we had our climax and like we're introducing all these new characters and these new moments. And, and it feels I don't it, it felt weird, but I you know, what, let's get there. Let's get there. Um, so fast forward a few years, a few years have passed. Yes. And, Chapter 13, a time skip. Yes. Hits like, you with a time we have skip. we have three chapters left and there we have a, a big time skip here like uh it yep. looks probably like 10 years or so uh just by, oh, I, by didn't, I didn't get 10 years but it could you could be I right got like maybe four or five years yeah, maybe i got only a few years i think but, well I, regardless it doesn't matter i'm probably wrong um <laughs> so so the space pirates have grown in number they've rebuilt zebus and uh, they are as big a threat as ever Mock has a sweet beard now, and he's a commander. And um, we have a new leader of the Galactic Federation, Chairman Keaton, who kind of looks like uh, somebody from Star Wars that I can't remember yeah, their name. Yeah, he's a prequel character yeah. you liked from last time. Yeah. That's promoted. He, he's a cool guy. I, li- I like his little uh, his little things on top of his head. His well, eyeballs. I like this little character product- progression. Yeah. This is like a very minor character, but we're getting you know even a little evolution of this character from volume to volume, so that's cool. So I have to say, I wasn't a big fan of like the, like this big epilogue-y kind of chapter, but man, Samus looks awesome in her like... Audrey Hepburn get up. She looks so Her, wicked. Carmen San Diego. Oh outfit. my god! Like, I was like, "What? What are we watching?" I I was saw that. I was like, "Wait, is this a?" I loved what it. Is happening. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I have to tell you, I, I I've never I've never played Metroid. I know some people play Metroid because they're like, "Oh my god, Samus is, is hot or whatever." But I I saw this panel. And I was like, "Damn, that's a sweet look, Samus." Like, oh. get it? Yeah, you, it's you, just a drawing. Good. Hey, sir, it's just a drawing. <laughs> looks, it looks. She looked good. She, that's a cool look. I sure. want to see that in a game. Uh, make it happen. But yeah, I, I like this look. It was, it was all like classy and whatever. And she meets a, she meets a girl. And wouldn't you know it? This is the same little girl that she rescued back on what the heck is that planet called? Uh, Jigrad. Yes. Something the, like the, that. Something the the planet where Samus was going to execute the space yes. pirate. It was that mission that the Federation learned that the space pirates could bleed, and Samus saves that girl, um, and then was going to execute the space pirate, and then and then crying, so she doesn't. Yes. Uh, so this little girl is named uh, Demara, 
She's not a little girl anymore. She's actually a recruit in the uh, Galactic Federation Army of some sorts. And um, a really weird... This is really weird. <laughs> so, Keaton, uh, Chairman Keaton is... Uh, it must be like his big... Like, he's being sworn into office as the new leader of the uh, the Galactic Federation. He's putting his hand on the Bible, and he's yeah. being sworn into the Galactic Federation. Pretty much. <laughs> like As is tradition. So, this new rookie kid, Damara, for some reason, has, like, this unlimited access to Commander Keaton here. <laughs> and she gives him some flowers. And uh, Samus starts running, and she's like, stop! And people are like, oh, she's a space pirate after our new chairman. Get her! And uh, she, Adam is there as well, actually, I forgot to mention. Samus yells to Adam, get rid of the flowers. So Adam does. He throws the flowers away. The flowers mutate into a monster, <laughs> which is like a space pirate assassin. And uh, and they take it out. And uh, yeah, that's how the chapter ends. This, cha- this chapter this chapter was a stinker. Like, I... Um... Yeah, this is definitely filed under Butterflies with Guns. Yeah. So, okay, so the time skip. So the, personally, what I think is the... And, and this is probably a very cold take for anyone who's read the manga over the past couple years, or decades, really, is it's what I would imagine makes the most sense is the time skip should have happened... Like, the end of Volume 1 should have been the time skip. Mm-hmm. Like, the end of Volume 1 should have gone all the way to the time skip. Time skip happens, and then Volume 2 starts, and then Volume 2 is the rest of the story. So yes. I that's how it should have gone. I was okay with the time skip when I realized like, oh, that wasn't the real climax. We're actually kind of building up to, you know, like we, we don't need to see Samus grow up, continue to grow up. Like we can skip to when she's more of an adult. Okay, that's fine. The monsters and the flowers, weird. But then we also see this aspect of Samus where she's a bounty hunter. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm a bounty hunter now. Side profile shot. Full splash art blah blah blah. cool shot by the way cool shot and there's this aspect of this fight where by the way samus knows like she something we don't we're not privy to how samus knows that these flowers are going to turn into space pirates and how she's like yeah this is the space pirate department of taking out uh guys with flowers at their ceremonies or something and i knew about it and we're like okay fine um that's like essentially what she says. And then like while she's fighting the space pirate, she's like negotiating with Adam on like the price of the bounty, which by the way, she ends up killing the thing before she's signed anything or shakes any hand. So she essentially did it for free, but it's it's implied that whatever she called out the price is what it's going to be. But um, there's this now new element to her character where she's now inexplicably a, a bounty hunter. And she's now has this get the bag mentality where she's going to save the day and she's, you know, that same heroine that we, we know and love. But also she's about that money and she better you better pay her. And this was the part of the story where it felt more like not a natural progression of the story, but they're taking from the games and need to, like, explain that or, like, reflect mm. that, even though the games themselves don't reflect that. It's that Samus is a bounty hunter, even though she's really not in the games. But because she's a bounty hunter in the manga, now she's like literally a bounty hunter and she like inexplicably is all about the bag and needs to be making money. I wish there was a bit more of a clearer motivation like, oh, she's now doing some kind of work where she needs the funds to save the animals or run this orphanage or whatever it is. And that's why she became a bounty hunter specifically to make that money or something. I feel like she becomes a bounty hunter in this story. Because she, because like 
that's what they said she needed to be because that's what she is in the games technically. So she feels feel she feels natural. like a character at a Cowboy Bebop in this chapter, which which yes. isn't like the worst <laughs> thing. Like like her character, I love Cowboy Bebop, but like yeah. it doesn't fit Samus, especially the Samus that we spent uh, twelve previous chapters with. Which yes. I agree, and like like it's just it's also just like this is filler. Like this it's is kind of funny though. It was kind of funny how she's sure. like fighting them, and she's like, "It better be this much, or like you are gonna owe me this." And she's like on the fly, that was kind of fun. ridiculous. This is what I mean when I say like there there had to be plans for more Metroid manga because like this is the start. Uh, to me, it felt like the start of a completely new like arc, a completely new uh, mm-hmm. chapter in this in this journey of Samus, and felt this the very in- volume two. It's what it's, I feel like. Yeah, like yeah. It, it felt it felt very incongruent with it with everything that had come before it and it it was it was weird i thought that it was it was very weird doom what did you think about this I don't really have much else to add like you said it's an awkward time jump and we're missing a lot of context into the changes of you know where samus was previously and where we are now and like it makes it makes sense that she would be a different character because of that time jump but when we're not given any information beyond that it's incredibly jarring mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah yeah, all, all of the, you know, all of the weird mutated plants kind of shenanigans aside, just on its face value. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's honestly, it's just not good storytelling, if I'm I mean, being completely I, honest. I think it makes sense that, like, they're not going to give us all the context right out of the gate. Like, it's something they're going to, you know, feed to us over time, like how these characters change. I think the biggest thing is that it's, it's because it's we come from playing the games and we know Samus is a bounty hunter that when this element specifically is shoehorned into the story, mm-hmm. it feels out of place. Whereas I feel like if Samus was up to something else that we didn't have the context for, we could more aptly accept, oh, there's going to be some context and details we're going to be given later and it'll make sense. Whereas first impression here, we're like, oh, she's a bounty hunter because Samus is a bounty hunter in Metroid and that's how it's supposed to work and that's what she is. So. That that's my interpretation. It it's a it's a weird chapter. I, I I thought this whole chapter stunk, unfortunately. And chapter fourteen is a little bit better, but it's not much better. Um, and I and I want to start <laughs> out. We get some more scenes with uh, Damara, and I have a question for you. Did you ever watch Mad Men? Either of you guys? No, I have not watched Mad Men, but I've heard only good things, and I should watch it. Okay, well, what I'm about to say probably won't hit then, but like, so there there is like five episodes left in that show, and they. In there, there are five episodes left. Instead of wrapping up, they have like multiple characters that you kind of want to see their stories wrapped up and, and everything kind of send off in a satisfactory way. But Mad Men instead introduces like a new character, a new love interest for Don Draper with five episodes left. And it's like, why are we spending time with this character when like things are coming to a conclusion here? And that's kind of how I felt about Damara a little bit here, which, which again is, is like just tells me that there had to have been plans to to make mm-hmm. more of, of these of these comics. But Maybe that just never happened for whatever reason. Um, but I I was not invested in this story, like with Damara, like at all, like at at all. And she ca- she also seemed like a little bit of a twerp. You know, like she's getting bullied by someone. But I was like, she's a little kid. Yeah. She's also like, oh, this is a holy place. And I was like, come on, have, have a little have a little fun. Hey, she's 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 respectful. She is. Respects well, she is. Yes. Um, OK, so. uh by so, the yeah. way, before we move ahead there, I just I agree that's kind of like it definitely felt like the setup of there's gonna be so much more story and now we're getting more like world building by getting into like the lives of these even more minor characters in the universe. Yeah. Um it very much reminds me of 
uh, Naruto, where they go on a bunch of ventures and like the annoying kids that like bother Naruto when he's like younger, like they come back and now they're going through the ninja academy and going to like the tuning exam, just like Naruto and his friends did. That's kind of what I'm getting from this. We're like, now it's these minor characters going through the academy and they're doing their lives and we're finding out about them and a hundred percent. This is where, I mean, I don't feel confident that they were planning on more manga, but I definitely did get vibes of like, Oh, they're really like, building up to this that's crazy because i can see the the pdf file and i know how many pages are <laughs> are left in this yeah manga, so it's very interesting we're getting this this little bit of a build here but I, I i liked it i just wish it was ultimately leading to something more um okay well we uh we meet back up with ridley actually so uh he he is uh, in a position to take out captain uh Mwok, but instead he has bigger fish to fry, and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take out Adam Malkovich." And Ridley has Metroids with him, or they're still calling it Metroid. They refer to it just singular um, as Metroid, which is maybe I don't know, maybe that's a translation thing, or maybe not. I'm not sure. And I, I love seeing this character come back. So, so we Captain Hardy comes back. Uh, yes, he, he, he might remember back. He had that great line about like, "I'm gonna carve orders or whatever into your forehead," which was fantastic in the first volume. But Samus yeah. is uh, being briefed. Uh, from Captain Hardy about Metroids. Although the Galactic Federation does not know that they are Metroids at this point, but Samus does because she saw them on Zebus all those years ago and knows that they came from uh, the planet SR388. And things are bad. Uh, from what I got reading this was that the space pirates took all of the Metroids from SR388. So obviously not doesn't fit exactly with the uh, Metroid lore, but uh, or maybe they just took like the the things that they thought were Metroids, and maybe they didn't know that there was a queen or something like that. And I guess that doesn't have to work necessarily against that. Or maybe I just read it wrong. Well, what I got out of it is like similar to how you know the Metroid manual, and kind of the current story is where the Galactic Federation took the initial Metroids and they kind of broke into the ship and right. took their shipment. Right. Um. So yeah, uh, we're we're jumping all over the place here. So so um, Damara is getting bullied, but she's rescued by Pianchi. And, uh, and Keaton and Adam are are sending Samus off to Zebus to defeat Mother Brain once and for all. And you know what? I actually, I'm going to defend something here because I didn't hate it. And I feel like you guys might hate it. But Adam says something along the lines like, Samus, you don't act like a lady very often, which is kind of like a, a patronizing line. But um, he has like kind of an all right. He's just like, listen, you... You have to remember who you are when you're not battling. And I think the point that he was trying to make is like this war cannot be your whole life. And and I actually like that explanation for why he calls her lady more than what the game tells us, because the game just says like, oh, Adam calls me lady, but dignified instead of like as an insult. And I never really bought that. Like, it just seems kind of like derogatory when to me when he says that where I, you know, if, if you were to tell me like he's calling her lady because he wants to kind of symbolize who she is in, in the real world when she's not battling, I, I can buy that. So I, I kind of thought that you guys might not like this, but I, w- I was ready to defend it a little bit. And, and I don't defend Adam very often. Well, I'm I, Adam hated, yeah. I hated yeah, every moment of this. Yeah. I despise this panel. They, I'm so disappointed. This this whole manga, they built Adam up to be like genuine, and we all agreed. Like like up to this point, I think we all agreed that like Adam was like genuinely one of the coolest characters here, way cooler than in the games. Everything about and I, and I part of this, I feel like a part of this is not just cultural differences, but also just the time it was written. I mean, this was 
20 years ago. Times have changed. But oh my god, the way the dialogue is written here, it's just... I, I, I can I can see how you can definitely interpret it one way, but just the literal words, it's just... it's. I don't like it. It's 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 gross. It's weird. It's it, it feel it it does it genuinely does feel very demeaning. Even if that wasn't the writer's intent, that's the interpretation that I got. I just I I didn't like any of it. It reminded me it reminded me of those cringe other M Samus X Adam shippers reading this. It's just everything about that. I just I disliked it from the bottom to the top. Can't throw this one into the uh, cybernetic butterfly butterfly uh, bin. This one, this one mm. was a definite definite hit for me. Yeah, uh, so it's it's like a mix for me of like, I I I felt like I got the like subtext of what was trying to be said, mm-hmm. like what you were kind of going with Andy, but it was how it was said was to me came across because he's a superior as inappropriate. Um, so I so I get both angles. To me, I definitely got like, don't forget who you are. Like you remember, don't lose the human aspect of you. Like you're not yes. just a because that that's what makes sense with the theme of the story. Yeah. she's not just a weapon. She's a person. She's a human. So like that's makes sense because Adam literally stated the the theme for us at the end of the previous volume. So like it's very clear that's like what his character is meant for. Like he's here to kind of state the theme. Right. So yes, he's saying it like, don't lose who you are. You're not a weapon. You are human on the inside. You're not just someone who goes out there and fights. How he says it, not ideal. And But I, I do agree, Andy, that it definitely doesn't come across as... I mean, it does come kind of come across as patronizing, but not. It almost kind of feels like he's kind of hiding it behind this like faux masculinity of like, this is what I would say if I was this like awful, inappropriate person. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm trying. Not that I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm just like trying to look at it from the context of like the rest of the story, and how. But go ahead, Doom. I see. Yeah, I was gonna say, if if I may, it kind of it kind of reminds me actually of the Sector Zero scene in Another M, where when I look at the scene and kind of look at look at it from an ab- abstract point of view, I can see what Yoshio Sakamoto was trying to convey in that scene. But when you look at it literally, it's just like. What are you doing? That and that's kind of the same feeling I'm getting here, where it's like I can see what Andy's trying to say, and that's obviously like what you know what what the writers are trying to convey here. You know those themes of like you know you know don't lose your humanity, you know don't lose what's important to you. But the literal verbatim text, and again, even I, being a fan translation, like if I may, if I may, it's really it's really and even and even Samus herself, like she like she calls Adam Adam out and says like it's really creepy, and it's like yeah. I, I think that I think that's the of... only part that makes it awkward. Actually, is, is Sam saying that? I'm going to read verbatim what he says. Um, he kind of he kind of smirks, and Sam says, "What's so funny?" Adam says, "Nothing." I just thought to myself, you don't seem to act very ladylike. And then Samus immediately says, "What's what's this all of a sudden? Don't get all creepy on me." I didn't interpret that as being creepy. Like I I guess I just didn't. And uh, and so Adam says immediately after. It's simple. You should remember what you are when you're not a warrior. Samus, that's something lost in you lately. Um, Samus says you overstep your bounds. And uh, let's see. And then she says, I'm not one of your Federation officers anymore. I'm a bounty hunter. And that's pretty much that. That's that's their interaction. I, I don't think it's like that untoward. Like, I think what he says actually kind of like, again, gets that point across where it's it's not like a it's not like a, hey, you're not ladylike. <laughs> like, 
I, I don't think it's that. I, I think it's like immediately. Well, maybe if they had left it, it's at obviously that. not that. But but, but, I, but like even read like I, I didn't get the only time I ever got that vibe is when Samus is like, oh, don't be a creep. When you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. There's a lot of like weirdly inappropriate things in there and things that I mean, that characters... whole anime manga is entirely inappropriate in most yes. contexts. So I don't know if that's the best comparison. Okay. Well, it's, it's it's probably not a good compare, but it reminded me of something that like Oscar or someone would say where it's just like it wasn't weird, but now you made it weird by saying something. So I um... I get that you didn't like it, but I, I don't think it says um I don't know, offensive. I mean, like, I'm not telling you your interpretation is wrong, but I, I don't think like verbatim there's that much that's like not like I, I don't think that there's that much, I guess, inappropriate with with what Adam said. And obviously I, it's, you know, everybody interprets it differently, but I'm looking at the I'm looking at it now. And like on one hand, what I do think the end goal was was for Adam to say, like, don't lose your human side of it. Because, like, yeah. it's like, you should remember what you are when you're not a warrior. That's something that's lost in you lately. I think that panel's fine. But if you preempt that with, you don't seem very, seem act very ladylike recently, it's only fair to assume that what you mean is the womanly aspects of you and not, like, being a person overall. You to know me, what? It's yeah, like, and that's like, fair. you know, so, like, I, I feel like it's not on Samus to, like, determine that like it was how adam had said it not how mm-hmm. she reacted to it and also like i mean maybe this isn't the best barometer of it but like let's say you had a a a co-worker and a boss in an office and you heard the boss say this to your co-worker like would you not be like eh, that's a little that's a little weird like i wouldn't i would be like that's a little inappropriate for the workplace and this is yes. technically the workplace so like well but here's yeah. the here's the thing is so, like we're because we've played the games like we're kind of preconditioned like okay we know that he calls her lady so like there's got to be some reason for that so like i i don't fault the manga necessarily for that like it's kind of kind of like with the bounty hunter thing it's like okay like we we know that adam calls her this how how do we get there like how do we come up with this nickname i i think it sucked like in yeah. metroid fusion and then i like i guess one thing that we know too is like you know samus and and again, it's not it's not present in this manga, but just by playing the games, we know that you know Samus kind of thinks of Adam as a somewhat father figure. Uh, so maybe reading it that way, I, I mean, I, I don't think either of you are wrong necessarily. I just think like with what we know from the games, what what my interpretation, I I didn't think it was that scuzzy. Beyond like you know the dialogue, more or less for the entire run of the manga, a lot of times you just kind of throw it out and take the sentiment of it. So. Um. I, I guess for me, because it's like most of the time I've been able to separate, like I've been saying, separate the literal interpretations to the skeleton. Mm. For me, like this dialogue, this this bit of dialogue was just so egregious that I, I couldn't I couldn't separate, it. even though I know that that's not what the intention of the dialogue was. I, I get you know, I get that it was very well intentioned what the actual meaning was. But reading it on the paper, it just it gave me so many other M flashbacks in the worst possible way. Uh, hey, I, I can't tell you you're wrong. There, there's a lot of other M in this manga. There's a lot, and we still <laughs> have a lot to get see to. Here. How this influenced other M for sure, like hundred oh, percent. There's a lot of like you can tell like they read this in the manga. You're like, that's a good idea. Let's take it and take that. Oh, that looks good. Let's try that. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so so at this point, I'm kind of just like, oh my god, let's let's wrap this up and. uh 
And Samus lands on Zebes, and she starts fighting with some hostile life forms. Mother Brain and Ridley are in Torian. And I, I felt like at this point, because of all the action, it was really difficult to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, Big Daddy Kraid shows up. And even that, I was just kind of like, eh. This, eh. Oh, wait, we're in Chapter 15 now, right? Tooth and no, nail. Not, not yet, not yet. We're, not we're yet? still in Chapter 14, because we have the Kraid fight going on. Um, oh, I thought that was Chapter 15. Okay, go ahead. I think... Uh, I don't know. I think it's chapter 14, but I could be wrong. But anyways, so so Samus had, you know, this is kind of a cool fight with Kraid. This I just I would have loved to see it with color and like with full panels. Like that. unfortunately you know, manga is cool so fight. small. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fine fight. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it was it was fine. Yeah. I mean, what I, uh, are you, what are you going to do, right? Like it's, it's No, but this was one of those things where it was like almost the writers like forgot about Kraid. A little like, bit, they, yeah. They're like almost at the end they're like, "Oh my god." Well, I, I felt that way about the Metroid manga. I felt that way about the whole play. ending chapters. Like it was like <laughs> well, it was like, oh, the, we we better we better throw in some Metroid enemies now that she's on. on well, that's uh, the Zebes. shame about this is I think it would have been so cool. Like this manga would have been so cool if like the first like the first volume was everything up until this point, and then the second volume was like a retelling of the original Metroid, like in a yeah. full detailed way, and like with an adaptation, like to make it more narratively pleasing and whatever, have some more conversation, etc. Yeah. But here it's like we're on Zebes and like we're re- immediately rushing through the adventure on on Zebes. And it's interesting because like this is where the adaptation of like what happens in Metroid like it goes from okay, the story was coming up with a lot of original elements and now it's taking from the games, but it's now adapting them in a way different way. Mm-hmm. And it's way different than how it happens in the game itself and Creed is just kind of plopped right in. By the way, before this, Samus says zero mission literally in the fan translation, which I thought was funny. Like, like it's morph, it's morphin' time. Like a little uh, <laughs> on the nose, yeah. a little on that, which was funny. But yeah, it's like we get into this like that like Samus now attacking. She's kind of going through like a bunch of Metroid enemies. She fights like a Diorum, which was really cool. But like. It's like Mother Brain's like sending the enemies at her like a gauntlet style almost. It's like not a like boss Samus rush is mode. actually yeah, like it's not like Samus is like adventuring around like Mother Brain's like, "Oh, those enemies were weren't enough for you. Here's Kraid. Like, how can you handle yeah. this?" Like it's like that uh it's like that part in um Dragon Ball Z, the the Majin Buu arc where they're on the ship with Bobbity and they're just sending all these aliens at them like here's how you how you get to deal with this one huh? it's like you know the pit of a hundred levels or whatever and it was yeah you know, we're an odd adaptation and i wish this is one of my biggest gripes of this the story i wish we got like a fully fleshed out adventure on zebus instead of this kind of like rushed part uh like part adaptation part original story involving the events of the original game mm-hmm. kind of um so yeah, this is it ends up going it's weird and it's like here's Craig, Ridley's comrade. I'm like, literally we have never saw him up until this point. Ridley has never mentioned Craig up until this point. He's unceremoniously dropped in, and then Samus <laughs> does have a pretty cool fight, but um I mean it's it's I, fan service. Uh, that's all it is at this point. It like... is. And and also like they have to make some changes. Like they couldn't just drop the original Metroid like one to one and adapt it like yeah. with no changes. I think they did need to take some liberty of like making it more like, you know, interaction. Like they have Samus and Mother Brain interacting. Like that's fine. Yeah. I think they just wish they could have struck a bit more of a balance between what happens in the actual game and this wildly different take on it that is does not resemble the original game at all. 
You know, we were talking about other how Other M was influenced uh, by the manga just a few moments ago. Literally, the uh, mother brain mind controlling all the creatures and making them go after Samus is literally the exact mm. thing the MBAI does in Other M. I just wanted to point that out. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Not, again, not much to add here. I think it's really funny. I I thought it was pretty funny how like Crate is introduced, like you know, like a, like a WWE wrestler, like a boxer. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> you have like you have like Ridley the announcer going, crazy. weighing it, weighing it at four kilo tons. He's My the biggest, God. baddest Hulk in the arena. <laughs> Big Daddy like, Crate business I, is just picked up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like it, it was it was silly. It was you know it was whatever. It was it was also great seeing like ginormous crate on this little itty bitty panel with two, which I thought yeah, was they so funny. Zoom, they had to zoom out for him. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, watch out! Watch out! Watch out! Oh, RKO out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna rush through chapter 15, and uh, that was chapter 15. No, that was chapter 14. We still got the whole other chapter to go. So here we okay. go. Okay. So. Uh, and Samus is so. By the way, so the ending of chapter fourteen, is Samus is is drained after beating Kraid, or she basically. That's passes the end of chapter out. fifteen. That's the end of chapter fourteen. It's not. I'm looking at it right now. End of. Are chapter- there sixteen chapters? Yes, there's sixteen chapters. Chapter oh, fifteen sorry. end is Samus passed out after using her oh. hugely strong weapons, the missile launcher and the missile and the morph ball bomb. You know what? You were. I, I wrote down chapter fourteen twice. I'm sorry. You you are correct. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. Chapter sixteen. Uh, speaking of pro wrestling, oh, okay, well, before we go ahead to chapter sixteen, can I yes. jump in real quick? Of course. I love that the big abilities Samus gets are the missile launcher and the morph ball bomb. Uh, I don't mind that that how uh, how Adam gives it to Samus. I think how this story is constructing it, it makes more sense yeah. for Samus to be given those abilities than for her to just kind of like find them. find them. Yeah. Even though it would have been cool for her to find it in some interesting way. I also love, however, once again, Mother Brain not planning very well. Her big trump card is Kraid, who loses to conventional weapons such as the missile and the bomb. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, it was just kind of interesting to me, like that, like they're like, oh, Samus has these two new weapons, and they're like conventional weapons that have been around for literally centuries that anyone could have prepared for, and Kraid loses to them, and is like almost tailored to lose to them specifically. Yeah. Uh, again, another kind of thing where the story is now kind of being ha- held, t- like to the games almost. Like we got to work crate in there. Oh, crate has to kind of lose the way he loses in the games. But Samus just got these abilities. We got to have to make it work together, and it doesn't necessarily jive like and, and work together super well. I, I agree. Where like for for an adaptation like like a comic or a movie or anything like that, I, I like I don't want to see Samus exploring and getting power ups necessarily. I mean, maybe you could do like one or two like Indiana Jones style, but like I, I don't want to see that for like the bulk of it. I, I like that she's just like given this this weaponry mm. from uh, which also yeah, kind of makes yeah. sense in terms of like what we see yeah, in Metro Fusion as well. So okay, chapter sixteen. I'm sorry, sixteen. So Samus is down and out. And uh, she, <laughs> she passes out. She passes out. She passed we, out from the pain. Can we not gloss over this? She passes out from you from fighting Kraid and using her newfound abilities. That's a Kraid is a formidable opponent. And and what we see next, well, it can only be described as uh, something right out of a Christmas Carol because we get Samus having a vision of Gray Voice, who tells mm. her that. Uh, she she also echoes what Adam said. You should not lose yourself to being a warrior, and and you know you you don't have to sacrifice yourself in order to bring peace to the galaxy. And he kind of shows her all of her friends uh, that are also fighting alongside her. 
first and foremost, Adam, who is in tough against Ridley and his ship. And Ridley is preparing to go back to Zebus to finish off Samus. And Adam is like, we cannot allow that to happen. We can, we have to stop him. And I thought that actually this was going to lead to like Adam's death. But Ridley just goes. So that <laughs> didn't really lead to anything. Um, we see... We see Mock, who's still got a sweet beard. He's on his home planet fighting space pirates and is saved by Kreats. And both of them decide to uh, head to Zebus to help Samus. We also see Damara, who's just like sitting around and praying. And she's once again with uh, with Chairman Keaton, who you would have thought that they would have kept like a million miles apart after the flower ordeal, but whatever. Yeah. No and suspicion on her whatsoever. I guess not. I guess not. And here we go. Here we go. The ghost... Of Grey Voice Past gives Samus a uh, and Samus kind of reminisces about her journey as well. And there's like there's a there's a funny line where she's like, "You've gotten taller," but like, <laughs> yeah. which is which is meant to kind of in my mind, it's like meant to go with like a little space, a little silence, a little you know. Yeah. But like, it's so condensed and action packed that you don't have time for that here. So like, the panel right after Grey Voice is like, "I've got something for you," and he gives her. The various suit and declares the time of the Chozo is over. It's time for the new generation to lead this galaxy. Ooh. Which actually, I don't, I don't hate. I don't hate that. But like, it would have been a lot better if this was not the literal ghost of Gray Voice, and maybe it was just like Gray Voice, and that's his like Darth Vader redemption arc or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the point where Ridley breaks in. And uh, he breaks up the dream sequence. We, they have a pretty cool fight, actually. I, I thought that this yep. was pretty cool. Uh, Samus busts up the wave beam, the ice beam, and finishes out him of off. nowhere. Never mentioned prior in the story. Just bam, fires him off. Super missile and, right and to the has, face. And she has to say the name of the beam as she's firing it like an anime protagonist. Well, you know what? That's fine. If you've ever watched the Zelda cartoon, every single time Link sees an enemy, he's like, Octorok just to make sure that people know what it is. So, yeah, I, 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 that's okay. Um, yeah, this is a cool fight. And then, uh, but here we go. Samus goes to Torian and sees all the Metroids and sees Mother Brain and I'm ready for the finale and it's over. Yeah. What wow. the? This was what this. The f- has to be <laughs> one of the craziest rug pulls I think I've ever experienced reading a story. I was like, okay, like, I was Here like, we go. The you, third act. This this gear. limped along for so long after we got off of Zebus the first time, and we had all that nonsense with the flowers and Demara and every. And now we're finally back, and I'm finally excited. I'm finally ready, and we're done. And I was like, you got they, they 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 sector zeroed it. They, they sector zeroed us. It's it's another other M thing that they pulled. Nah, this is worse. <laughs> this, at least this other M story. At least <laughs> other M story like finishes technically. This was, I could not believe this. I was like, yeah, this is exactly like you, Andy. Like, okay, like we got our we got our time skip. We had our setup again. Like we're we're ready, like to go full throttle into like the big. I, I knew there was an issue when Craig showed up randomly. When Craig showed up randomly with no, I'm like, wait a second, we're rushing through the events of, of Metroid. I'm like, okay, maybe we're just to like rush through it and that'll be the last few chapters. But then like, I was like, oh, there's only 10 pages left of this PDF file. I don't know. Yeah, I could not believe there was so much more. St- we don't get the final confrontation between Samus and Mother Brain. Samus obliterates Ridley, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But, like we don't get the final confrontation. We don't get any like there's so much more story to tell. And it just 
ends. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. This stunk. Find out, this find stunk. out what happens next in Metroid Zero Mission. And I guess yeah. go play the game. I guess <laughs> I guess go play the game. Is I could not believe this. I was there's no way there was they they could have wrapped up such a good story and oh I I ended. think oh. so so this 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 just stunk and left a I was already kind of struggling with Volume Two and when I got to the end I was like that's it like that that's it so like i i feel like there had to have been something in the real world that caused this this comic to stop running because like i mean my god that's like that's like getting to thanos and it's just like rolling credits on avengers endgame and uh you know go read a comic if you want to figure out what happens like what you mean infinity war no i mean like literally endgame like they're about to fight thanos for the final battle and then it's just like gotcha no 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 movie's over so I, <laughs> yeah. that stunk, um, and and I think I was thinking to myself after I was like, you know, I think if if it would have ended at part one, where part one ended, I thought was fantastic, and I think that if you would have left it at that, that would have been one of the greatest Metroid stories because it's like this awesome ah. origin story. Even if you have the loose end of like, well, how do you how do you like rectify the fact that Gray Voice is there and like bring him into the the series? Maybe that's just like your your little bit of I, difference, I but like, I can't I can't subscribe to that because both of those would still be non endings. Like, the end of volume one is the midpoint of the story. Like, you need yes. to be going from here. I I and think this- like at least that might work as like a a mother brain like origin story, or like an origin story for the space pirates and a little bit of Samus and it's, at least establishes that rivalry between Samus and Ridley. And I'm not saying that'd be perfect, but man, that was better than this. This this stunk. I was I was very let down because I was like, this has like okay I, I don't necessarily agree with like how it's the game is being adapted like Zero Mission or Metroid being adapted fine, but there's still much more meat on the bone. I was like, oh, where are they get like what elements are they going to introduce that are different from the games that are interesting to like keep the story going and bring us to the finale? Yeah, like what is Tori going to be like? Like she didn't get to go through all of that. I, it's such a shame because there's. There was so much more that they could have done. I was expecting another another volume. Like they could do a volume three almost, so like another f- a few chapters. And it's yeah, what, what yeah, really you could do volume been... three with the uh, the ending of NES Troid and then the uh, the ship getting shot down because clearly it's it's like tied in with zero. Mission. I mean, really, what should have happened? What what should have happened was having like I said, like volume one end at the uh, Phoenix three chapter, so chapter. Uh, chapter 12, right? Mm-hmm. End at chapter 12. Boom, that's end of volume one. And then volume two, go from there and have that go to the end of a longer adventure and have it end with the actual ending of Zero Mission. That would have been perfect. It would have been a full I conclusive story. I It's it's baffling. I was baffled by by it ending like that. I could not believe it. I was so invested in the story. I, I know. I was so it, it's, it's bizarre because like on, on one hand... Because here's the thing on the on the on one hand, you know the the cliffhanger of the last one, you don't know what's you don't know what's coming up next. But I feel like that makes the cliffhanger more interesting because you want to know, okay, well, how is this going to get resolved? Yeah. And Torian, you know, because we're already now in the game adaptation. I mean, we know how that goes, but at the same time, that also makes the cliffhanger less less interesting because it's like, okay, well, what was the point of that? Like, there's yeah. no mystery, there's no suspense. But at the same time, we want to see like how you're going to reinterpret Zero Mission at the same time. So it just everything. Yeah. Everything about it just doesn't feel satisfying. It, no it matter what have, way you look at it, it should have ended after 
the the original Escape from Zebus. If if not, like I would have ended it honestly at part no, one. I, I think I would have. I, I think it's still. I I would have been also. I also would have felt robbed because I still feel like so much of that was like set up for a larger story. Yeah. Like there was. There's no point in the story. I think here or earlier that would have been okay to end the story. Unfortunately, like I would have still felt like oh. There's so much more to go. And here it's like, okay, we got a little bit of a taste of how they would have adapted Zero Mission. We get a little bit of a taste of what happens after that finale, but we don't get the full true like thematic resolution and, right. and full like circle on the plot and the fi- I mean, we literally didn't have Samus versus Mother Brain. And honestly, the fact that we didn't get Samus versus Mother Brain, because it's essentially what's left out of this, right? Like we kind of get the rest of her adventure on Zebus sped like speed ran. My thought is I actually don't think they were playing on going beyond this at all. I think the idea was we're not going to show you that because you need to go play the games. Uh, you you could be like, right. You know, yeah. I think that's what it is because pretty much everything in volume one is like original story. You can't get from the games. And then the the second volume, a majority of like it's rushed through because they're like, oh, we don't want to give you too much of what's in the game. So we're going to come up with a little more original content. But then it immediately kind of ends the second it gets to like stuff that they'd rather you go buy the game and play the game. So that's, that's unfortunately, I think what might've happened. That is true. Now that, now that I think about it, because it ends at the final boss quote unquote of NES Metroid. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it doesn't even tap into any of the new stuff that zero mission uh, does post game. Well, I I think that this was out before zero mission was even made. Uh, right, like this came. That's out what I'm saying. I think. Yeah. I think it was. I think they were using this to lead into Zero Mission. You, you, you could be saying. right. Yeah, but I, I just. I feel like that just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. Like I. Yeah. I. I actually am fine if they didn't adapt any of the events of Metroid. Like I. I feel like that's that game is its own thing. That can be its own story. That's. But I was invested in in the lead up and the the origin story of, of Samus and the pirates and stuff like that. And like, mm-hmm. it, there was there was an opportunity there to cap it. But that story, and maybe it would have been as super, super satisfying. But I feel like it ha- would have had to have been more satisfying than what we got. Because that, man, that was just like a a, a fart in church. It was, it was I, terrible. I think the res- I think the resources that were used to set up and briefly retell um, Zero Mission should have been put into kind of what caused Samus to leave the Federation, and you know, maybe would maybe we would have gotten a more satisfying explanation than uh, other M. My last, my final other M dig for today. Uh, if we had gotten yeah. that in the manga prior. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, Zero Mission dropped, what, in 2004, right? Four, yeah. Manga, yeah. the first volume of it runs up until the end of 2003. So all of the original story content in volume one is leads up until the end of December of 2003. And then volume two is January through May of 2004 when around zero mission comes out. So that's mm-hmm. kind of when like, Oh, you wrote up all the story. The new game just came out. Go play that. Yeah. Stop reading this. Go read that. Go play that. So, uh, yeah, that kind of li- lines up. Um, so obviously lots of loose ends here. Uh, we still have Chozo that are living that we don't know where they go. We still have, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the battle between mother brain and, uh, and Samus. We have, uh, Adam and, and we know eventually at some point he will be no more. I uh, don't know what happens to, to uh, any of our other supporting characters uh lots of lots of questions it seemed like there's an opportunity yeah. for more but this needs to be brought back Sony's needs to yeah. revive the metroid manga as its own lore i mean at this point like who cares if it's canon or not i want to see the rest of this particular story yeah and see where it goes metroid manga retold with better writing i actually think would go pretty hard 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still aspects of like, and this even goes back to other M infusion. Like even if you retranslate it or had like the original text perfectly translated, you still can't change action and behavior of the characters and all that stuff. You can only change like somewhat of the content of what they say. So like at the end of the day, like, yeah, that would be cool. But also there's still stuff in the manga that, and in the games that wouldn't change, even if you tried to, you know, sprinkle it a little bit here and there so and, and, and you're also yeah. beholden to the stuff that happens in the games too like like a perfect example of that is is the lady nickname for for samus from adam right like it kind of stinks but like you know was this it this needs to be explained it needs yeah. to be explained yeah and justified yeah. so yeah that was a, a little bit of sour note to uh, uh, to end this this metroid manga on unfortunately uh, but the good news the good news gentlemen is that we have an opportunity to return to the world of Metroid manga. And we're going to, we're not going to do it next week, but we will make this an ongoing regular occurring series uh, where, you know, we're going to be back and we're going to be looking at some of the, uh, some of the most revered pieces of manga in this, in this franchise. And of course, including uh, Samus and Joey, which is a big, a big fan favorite. <laughs> the most revered, the most revered manga. Like <laughs> hey, Samus you know, and Joey. there's a lot of people that, that really dig it. And I, I have to admit, I like have no idea what it's about beyond the the most basic of premise, where Samus is probably with a guy named Joey, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But there's also some other really cool stuff that I'm looking forward to getting into. Um, so an opportunity to just be a little bit silly, a little bit, uh, you know, explore some other stories in in the Metroid universe. So that I think that'll be cool. Um, I think it was a it was a worthwhile endeavor. It didn't it didn't stick the landing. I don't think, unfortunately, but uh, I, I don't regret. Uh, of course, going in there, I thought part one was really, really strong. There are parts of part two that I think are, you know, pretty cool. Um, and and for yeah. for nothing, for better or worse, you could very clearly see how important this manga was to influencing future Metro titles. And in fact, there's a lot of oh, panels 100%. from this game that are directly in uh, Zero yeah. Mission. So pretty important yeah. piece of uh, media. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm glad we are able to jump into this. This is this is kind of like the the most revered like non. Yeah. game media for metroid so it's really cool you're able to jump into this ultimately for me i would say that i would give it a um a pretty decent rating i overall enjoyed it a lot i think it was a mostly good story that's somewhat faithful to the metroid we know and love you know um but it introduces a lot of cool like new elements that expand on the universe a little bit and i think were necessary for telling like a coherent like full story like adding new characters and whatnot and you know digging a bit more into the federation yeah i love like how the space pirates were depicted i love samus's character depiction a lot of the character depiction of these characters i love her friends too by the way i love all her friends yeah like it really like it felt like a fleshed out like true kind of metroid story i love um and i wish we got more of like the zero mission adaptation because even that was was cool um yeah volume one a lot stronger than volume two um volume two it was like it's not it's not mind-blowing or an impressive or maybe even the best metroid story but i thought it was enjoyable i thought it was compelling i thought it was going somewhere i think that's maybe the hardest thing to recommend about it is that like you have to be okay with recommending a story that doesn't have an ending if you keep that out of it i actually would i would recommend it for metroid fans for sure like if you're a metroid fan you haven't read it read it um, yeah. If you're a fan of like anime and manga in general, I'd say it's a light, harmless read that you could, you know, knock out in an afternoon or two. So it's not bad. I probably wouldn't recommend it for new Metroid fans because it doesn't have an ending and it can contradicts with stuff and it might confuse you. But probably something to check out once you've gotten into the games a bit more. 
it's uh i would like give it like a seven seven point probably a seven yeah I, i'd give it like a b not a b I'm plus kind of being not being generous a... with it i'm being generous with it because it doesn't have an ending like that like it, the fact that it doesn't have an ending makes it so hard to like really truly recommend as a good story because it like doesn't it's not finished it feels yeah. unfinished but for what it for for what it is i can recommend it i enjoyed it i'm glad we read through it it's not perfect but it's not even remotely as bad as i was kind of expecting and in fact it surprised me pretty pleasantly a lot th- throughout the way overall a fun metroid story that i would uh, i would recommend to metroid fans to check out if you have the time someday yeah, overall, I'm really glad that I got to read it. If it weren't if it weren't for us doing a podcast episode on this, I probably would have never touched this thing. So I'm glad that you know, you know, I finally got a reason to go out and you know, finally able to di- to digest this. And I definitely, I don't think I, w- I was hot on it as much as you guys, especially in that first episode. But again, I was really, again, really surprised about you know how kind of my journey throughout this kind of evolved going going through right. overall i'd probably give it like a five or a six out of ten and i don't mean that as a bad grade i mean that as like i think it's perfectly mid i think it's perfectly fine there's elements of it that really surprised me that i really like and stuff that i want to see explored in the future um like that one interrogation scene where the pi- where that one space pirate is telling uh mock I, be- I believe it is where it's like hey the Federation just let your species in. Once they once they're done with us, you're next on the chopping block. You're yeah. just a tool, and they're using you. I thought concepts like that were really cool and interesting, and I want to see that dived in more. There's other, um, and then you know, Adam. Aside from that one panel that I went off on, probably the best interpretation of the character in this manga. Just, just a genuinely really cool and charismatic character. And again, aside from that panel, I really wanted to see more of him. Yep, I think that's fair. Uh, this is what this is what I would say. I would liken it to a Netflix show that has one really amazing season. Okay, yes, season yes. two, season two, yes. it's not so great, and then it gets canceled, oh my God. and so you never really get the ending. So if you're okay with wow. that, if you're okay watching one season that is awesome, one season that maybe doesn't you know hit as much, and then like knowing that it gets canceled, this is for you. Um, if not, maybe not, but uh, definitely that, a worthwhile. That's a, that's a- that's a perfect analogy. I'm sorry, but that is like a perfect <laughs> analogy right there. hundred percent. Well, uh, immediately flashback to Jessica Jones with that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's good actually. Uh, okay. Well, oh my, my goodness, this is a long one, but I, I feel like we did this justice. <laughs> I feel like we really, uh, we really went full depth as, as this manga deserved. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that we did this. I'm excited to be doing more of this in the future. Uh, but we're going to take a break from the manga for a little bit, but uh, we will be back. Um, in the meantime, of course, we want to check or encourage you guys to check us out over on Twitter uh, at Omega Metro Pod, at Spateri316, at Dax City underscore, at Duminal Cross. Check out OmegaMetro.com. As mentioned at the top of the show, we just posted our uh, our new Metro Zero Mission walkthrough. There's more on the way. Um, I got something cooking right now, so uh, about halfway done. So that'll be up there shortly. Lots of maps, guides, news, you name it, it's there. Check out OmegaMetro.com and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe. That, my friends, is going to do it for this week. But, uh, of course, we will see everybody next week. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>